it's recording. Welcome back. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the show, Peter. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> Dude, my Mac is so slow. It's insane. I feel like it's after I updated to like the latest and greatest OS X. You don't have but the M1, it's, it's, right? I don't. And they don't have MacBook Pros yet, do they? But it's like uh, the M1 that's there is better than the MacBook Pros anyways. Right? Oh, right, so, right, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I might, my wife has the M1 and it, it's ridiculous how fast things open and close. And my MacBook Pro from a couple years ago is not as fast. Like my, like mine is from 2018, but it's like it's insane right now. It's when I like, and I think it's especially now because I'm actually doing development. So I have like my Docker environment running and I have the, you know, the watcher that like runs mm-hmm. Webpack and refreshes stuff. And it, when that's running, everything is so slow. Like when I, when I switch to the Slack window, like I have to wait like a couple seconds. And every time I click, like every time I click something on my Mac right now, I have to wait for a few seconds. So it's like, I'm okay. very close to like, I need to do something about this because it's actually like, I feel like, even though it's just a few seconds here or there, like it's enough to get me out of my flow like a hundred times during the day, which is really expensive. Mm. But I don't know if like I'm just worried that it won't fix it just to get the M1. Like, will everything work? I don't know. It's just um, really annoying I, right now. Well, right. So I, I'm on I'm on a MacBook Pro from 2019, the 16-inch. It's it's a beautiful machine. The keyboard's great. 32 gigs of RAM. I should not complain. I love it, but it's not the M1. But then my wife's M1, we tried to print something yesterday and we plugged it into the printer and Canon doesn't have drivers that work for the M1 yet. So she can't yeah. print stuff. So she can't print stuff, but stuff opens quickly. I'm on Catalina. There's no way in heck I'm updating to Big Sur anytime soon. Um, I just not my style, but uh, we'll see when I have to get dragged into that. But um, yeah, it's called the bleeding edge for a reason, man. You're, you're usually yeah my problem was i hadn't updated for long enough that i was on an older like two os x's ago oh and then okay. stuff like tuple like those guys you know those they were guys. like hey you can't use this anymore and i'm like i want to jump on a tuple call with bjorn so yeah. then i wanted to upgrade and i just looked to i actually just tried to upgrade to the the last one or the oldest one that people still support it but the, you, it, that's not as easy as you think. Like they, you can't just go and download it. It's like oh. when you go to the app store, you can just get the latest one. Hmm. So I waited too long. So so I had to <laughs> jump like two or three OSXs. Okay, got it. Which is like a big jump for my little MacBook here. So mm-hmm. it's just annoying, man. I had to. So I had my notes in Notion as I normally do, but I had to basically just shut everything off except Chrome and Squadcast and write it on a little little tiny post-it. <laughs> That's awesome. My typical plan with MacBooks is to uh, upgrade minor versions and then drive it into the ground and then get a new one every three years or so. And that's when I get the new, <laughs> new OS, which is like... Terrible yeah. and bizarre and revealing of my age, but I just, I just stopped wanting to deal with any of that stuff. Uh, but I if bought, you don't, if, yeah, if you don't plan on getting a new computer anytime soon, you eventually have to upgrade, I guess. I bought a new one around the time when I started Branch. I think. Mm. I don't remember. It was before or after I got the term sheet, term ship sheet from Rob. <laughs> term ship. <laughs> It's been a long time since you started Branch, Peter. What is Branch? Yeah, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> the, the the thing is, like, if Branch had worked out, I was going to get a new MacBook now because it would have been like two or three years and I would have some money to buy a new MacBook. Yeah, I see. That was the plan, right? <laughs> but now I have to start a new company on my old <laughs> MacBook. You have to get to a new company with what you've got. That's right. No, so I basically have to use this MacBook for three years, something like that, unless y'all sign up for a reform. You don't deserve a new computer right now. No, no, that's but that's kind of like how it feels. Like you can't, 
or I don't know, can you just buy a new MacBook every time you start a new company, regardless of how the last one performed? Uh, no comment. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> My last company did well enough that I was able to buy one. But uh, yeah, probably depends. I actually did start building Summit using like a $200 MacBook that was like five or six years old. But all I needed to do is be able to write Python code. So I was like, that's fine. So yeah, use what you got. Be scrappy. I uh, I got a MacBook from like it went at a job or like a freelance gig. And it was like a weird thing when I was in my, still in school that they didn't pay me, but they got me a MacBook and it's just weird. I don't know if it fell off a truck somewhere or how, how I got it, but <laughs> that served me well for like eight years traveling around the world and starting nice. my entrepreneurial journey and stuff like that. But it, yeah, it, it just fell apart slowly, but it felt good. <laughs> That was like the the retina, the first retina one, the big one maxed out. So good. It's just it worked pretty okay after eight years, actually. Yeah. About eight years, yeah. maybe six, seven years. Anyway, shall we uh welcome find back out how you're doing? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It was great. It's good to be away for a while. Yeah. Big picture thinking. Came back. Oh. I think with some fresh perspective which is not the goal of going away, but it's nice if you come back and that's the case. Either come back and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so far behind in everything. Or you come back and go, now I know what I should be working on. <laughs> well, that's good. I feel like, feel like the latter. So yeah, yeah, it does feel good. Do you want to ease into your update then? Ah, me first? Yeah. Well, um, I kind of just gave one like a couple days ago. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, good episode, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, ease into my update. So we've been working on this new version of Summit, uh, new front end, as I've been calling it. Um, it's, you know, the first, for those that haven't been listening all along, the first version was kind of a static form that was like a wizard. You filled it out page by page, and then you'd hit a button literally hit a big button and it would generate a revenue forecast for you. The second version of Summit was, uh, was you know what? People want to be able to create their own forms because you know I can never really accommodate everybody with one form. So why don't I let people essentially fill out a um, variety of forms of their choosing and then we'll build the forecast based on that and that will create a lot more flexibility. The feedback has been better than the first version. So definitely more revenue traction than the first version, which means we're going in the right direction. Um, but it's also been a steady stream of we're being held back. I, I would say we do not have product market fit yet because the growth isn't there to demonstrate that. And we keep bumping up against folks who want to just have more flexibility, even more flexibility. And I think I've realized some stuff uh, even while being away and then over the weekend here. I had a short, I did come back in the middle of last week, but after we normally record. Um, so in those couple of days, I did some thinking, um, came back. And actually, the first thing I did when I came back is meet with Ryan. Um, and we spent kind of three hours or so on Thursday last week, and then three hours or so on Friday last week just talking about this new version of the product how is it how is this new version really answering the complaints and issues that people have brought up with the current version and how are we addressing those and even folks like you peter who you know finds the current version a little off-putting and i think after those conversations right six hours or more spread across two days you can almost see it like a retreat in a way yeah i think we have a we have clarity on the next big, the next big swing, as I'm calling it, you know, that we're going to take with the product. And I think that clarity is there's no diminishing returns on flexibility. Like it cannot be too flexible. Um, we're still going to cling to the 
data model that we have today, which is the events. I think events are correct. But I think the UI is wrong. I think the UX is wrong. It's better than it was before, but it's not the fast growth UI UX. It's not the UI UX we need to support fast growth because it's not flexible enough. So we're building a much more flexible front end that's already been commissioned and underway. I am also about to start making the back end less opinionated. So it's not going to be a rewrite, but I am going to end up removing a bunch of, I'd say, opinionated code um, in favor of letting people build using more of the just the, the basic operations. So to give you an example in Excel, you know, you have, um, you have like plus, you know, addition, subtraction, multiplication, um, and division. And then you've got things like average parentheses or some parentheses or uh, more advanced IRR, internal rate of return uh, parentheses, and you can pass in a bunch of cells. Well, like there's functions and then there's the basic operations. What I have, what I did with the current version of Summit is I did write a fair number of functions they're kind of like cheating in a way because they they do a lot of work. A lot of heavy lifting happens inside those functions. But then it's like I'm expecting people who are using the new version to like know what those functions are, know how to call them, etc. So I think the realization was, you know what? We're actually going to remove those and uh, we're going to force people to lean on um, a set of operators which is going to be like probably six operators, not just the four arith- uh, arithmetic operators, but some other ones related to exponential growth um, to make it a little bit easier. Those six operators or so, and then um, I'm going to put in conditional logic for the first time so that you can be more... Now, there are there's branches already in the product where, where stuff flows to other things, but there's nothing conditional where you can say, once this many things has happened, change course. Or if this is this many, do this. Uh, so I think I figured out, I was, uh, read a book called Thinking in Systems. I'm going to hold it up for our r- listeners that can't see it. <laughs> um, but it's by a professor named Danella. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Danella or Danea Meadows. She was a scientist, author, teacher, and farmer. Interesting. Widely considered ahead of her time. Um, She was a Pulitzer Prize nominee, won some awards, and was a professor at a few places, I think. But she, uh, in New England area. I'm not trying to figure out if she was, uh, where she was. Anyway, uh, Danella Meadows, um, Thinking in Systems. And it is an amazing book. But basically, I realized through reading this book, I read on on the flight, uh, to and from Colorado. That <laughs> what Summit is good at, and what we need to focus on, is helping people build systems. Now, financial models are systems; businesses are systems. But you know, she gives a bunch of examples, like, "Hey, you know, the amount of inventory, and then the amount of sales." And then the orders demand that comes back, like this is all a system, right? And there's like this cause and effect, this flow. That's what Summit can uniquely handle really well compared to like Excel. If you can think of a problem you're having in your business and it almost seems like there's a bunch of loops and feedback and like things aren't really easy to put into a table, then I want people to think like, oh, if if, I, if I'm having a hard time getting this into a table... <laughs> Maybe I should try doing this in Summit, right? And I think financial models are that way. I also think they're just really big and complex and most people don't know how to build an entire financial model. Uh, But a lot of the questions, when people want flexibility on the current version of the products, a lot of times it's because they're trying to answer a question that is really about this kind of like system, this kind of cause and effect thing of like, well, how many salespeople can we afford to hire based on our growth rate without also running out of money, (laughs) you know? And it's like this, what is that? It's kind of like this equilibrium, this balancing they're trying to figure out. So long version, short version is we're going to remove, I'm going to remove a bunch of the kind of built-in 
heavy functions and I'm going to replace them with some conditional logic that allows you to essentially build these kinds of systems, define these kinds of systems really easily and then say, okay, we're going to go after people who are trying to do that. It might be, it's probably part of a financial model, but it's not an entire financial model. And you could eventually, it could be part. And then in the end, you can stitch these things together to build a financial, a larger model. But like, again, I think most people don't build financial models on a Friday afternoon to answer a question. They, they build a little two row spreadsheet, you know? Um, so that's the use case we're going to go after. And the reason I say all this is like, we really want that exciting growth to know that we're onto something much bigger, right? If it doesn't grow fast, it's probably not going to be big enough for us to be that interested. And I think we have a much better chance of something growing fast if it's simpler hmm. and more stripped down compared to what it is today. That's the idea. It makes me think of the the episode we did after MicroConf Europe 2019, where mm-hmm. you talked about the flywheel company. I think you called it back then. I think you renamed it. But yeah. basically modeling the entire summit business model or bis- the entire summit business in these yeah. loops. <clears throat> yeah, it's really fascinating. Probably- but you could... Yeah. It sounds like what like you're kind of thinking that you could you could take each of those and build a little thing with the new version of Summit, but you can also build the entire thing if you want it stitched yeah, together. It, it'll be composable, but th- you know, a lot of the times the problems we're trying to solve in business have this this thing affects this thing, but then you know, A affects B, but then wait, B kind of affects A. How do I, you know, how do I uh, represent that in, in a spreadsheet? It's it's hard because it's essentially a loop, you know. And so I think a lot of these loops and complex systems, or even simple systems, they do get communicated and visualized and solved, but they tend to be done like literally in notebooks and blog posts and napkins and and like charts and di- diagrams. People basically create diagrams out of them. But then it's like people don't have tools that they can use to really model these things. And and yet, like, if you think about your cash on hand as a bucket, you know, and time as a clock that's ticking and resources, a lot of what you're doing in your business is figuring out these systems of like, how much can you afford to invest, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the, you know, I call it the big swing. Like that's, I've been referring to that as like, we don't have product market fit yet. I think trying to get people to build an entire financial model from the from the onset is the wrong thing to ask them to do. But from what I've seen, people like you and others are trying to build these little things. <laughs> I think we can support that use case maybe first and still charge something um, for it and then essentially build up from there. That's really fascinating. Um, it's... It's fascinating to watch you do this. And I think it's kind of, it's, I think you, you had a tweet that was maybe related to this the other day over the weekend. Um, like if you, if you realize you don't have product market fit and you, you, you are, you don't have the, the growth that you are wanting to or needing, or basically the, you know, the slope of the growth curve isn't high enough for, in, in terms of what you expected, like you kind of have three options. You can, you can stop working on the project and start a new one. That's what I'm doing with branch. Mm-hmm. Or you can try to fix your current thing and like iterate on it and improve on it. Or you can try to basically re-implement the same thing. It's mm-hmm. kind of almost starting over. Like you could, of course, like you can keep a lot of stuff that like, you don't have need to change all the variables. Like you can hold some variables constant, but but you you're reinventing it and and you i as you kind of like touched on you've done it it's the third time at least um (laughs) third or fourth time you're doing that with summit (laughs) and it's really cool to see and it's like you you you'll as long as you, you see that that slope is looking better each time like you know that you're moving in the right direction and if you get to the right 
re-implementation or the right implementation, like it'll probably change dramatically, hopefully. Yeah, I think so. I think the biggest thing is that I don't feel like we're wandering just in darkness because the as I've made these changes, the traction has improved and the, the rate of traction has improved. And basically what I'm saying is, what did we change? We made it more flexible. Okay, <laughs> we're going to go all in here then with the rest of sort of our seed phase. Let's build something that's incredibly flexible. Yeah. And but it's like you're saying, like if there's yeah. a, if something like you keep the stuff that's working, but, mm-hmm. and for the stuff that's not working, like you could either try to fix it or improve it. But the thing is, like if it's it if fundamentally like it would never work well enough, it's better to just get rid of the stuff that's not working and do it completely different or add a new. Th- it's different. Like it's different to improve on something or start it over, even if you don't start mm-hmm. the whole thing over. Like the stuff that's not working you can you can redo yeah so it's funny the first version of my first company uh the product that we built and launched um storm pulse it was people did not find it to be approachable enough and i remember it took us months to iterate on that thing and like simplify simplify and he, as as the creator of it, I had a co-founder, and he he would, uh, Brad, he just kept hammering me on like, when I load it up, I just don't, I still don't see X right away. I, I can't see where the storm is. That's what he would always tell me. I can't see where the storm is. And eventually got so silly. I was like, okay, how about this, man? And I put this big blue circle around it. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, yeah, now, now, now it's obvious. And I was like staring at it as like as the artist in me going, oh my gosh, I just put this ugly blotch of like cyan paint on my beautiful painting, you know? But we made enough of those changes that eventually instead of the feedback being like, oh, well, you know, I like the weather and I love to track it, but this isn't really for me because I'm not a meteorologist or whatever. Eventually the mass market did find it accessible and approachable and loved it. But it, we, I had to strip away so many things that the average person found either intimidating or confusing to get there. It was like, it, it was painful because I felt like what I was releasing was worse, actually, at some point. I felt like, wow, this is like uglier and kind of dumber. But then when you see it get adopted by that many people, you realize like, oh, can't really be dumber if it works this much better right like that's not at that is actually smart design you know um so anyway so i've you know i've been here before maybe and then so i've i've i feel like this is similar where people are just saying that same thing of like it's too intimidating and i'm like cool well all right let's let's Addition by subtraction, as they say. Mm. So that's the goal. Subtract. Subtract a lot. And then eventually over time, you can get back to the complex thing. Um, but uh, I th- there's this... Um, I watched this talk by the head of product of Airtable. Um, he used to actually be uh, on the product team of Google Maps when Google Maps was first launched. And he just had this really simple way of explaining like, there's simple products with simple user interfaces, which is like order a pizza, here's the button. Order Uber, here's the button. And then there's complex products with complex interfaces, which is like Adobe Photoshop. Is that the thing that I'm obsessed with is like complex products with simple interfaces. And that's what Google Maps had to become and they went through a bunch of pain themselves. But I think that's similar with Summit is like, it's a very powerful product but we got to simplify the interface a whole bunch to get the growth that we're looking for. Um, and so, yeah, a uh, lot of other insights, but I'll, I'll cut that from the episode. I'll bring it up later, but that's, um, that's where we as a team are at and we are busy building. It's exciting. Are you still feeling good about some of the timelines you've mentioned here? Early summer release maybe, or... I, I think if you put it in terms of early summer release, maybe, then yes. <laughs> I think if I if I put an exact date on it, I think I'm a little bit more nervous. Um, 
only because uh, that's what project scopes do, right? Is they 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 balloon a little bit when you're in the middle because there's all those things you didn't really know about until you get into them. But um, I think we're on track still for a June release to more people than just the team. And I'm already playing with versions of it in staging um, that are nowhere near ready for for release. Um, so we're, we're going to try to have a version that the team can use in May and a version that other people can use in June, uh, which gives us plenty of time with our runway to get the market feedback that we're looking for and you know either then triple down on it because it's working or say what what do we learn now um but if if we're right i think folks like yourself and frankly derek and a lot of other people and even in this community should find it a lot more handy is almost the word i want to say like fun to use it's the thing you turn to because it's easier even than using a spreadsheet that's if i get that reaction i think we've succeeded you know and then we'll go from there i think if we get that reaction too we'll be able to collect credit card numbers and charge a very very small amount but hopefully times a lot more people you know um so timeline wise i i i am um and i think a lot of that just comes from having confidence in the team that we have Uh, i think it's this is a this is a really amazing team so i think experienced enough to say our timelines are pretty pretty accurate you know where we're gonna ultimately we're gonna release something and i think even if we have to strip out scope like i was listening to your episode last week you removed some scope from the initial release of reform it's like well i'd rather reduce scope and get something out if we have to than delay yeah so three to four months sounds reasonable for what you call a, a big swing yeah obviously i already know a lot like it would be a lot for us to do a three to four months period of development when Mm -hmm. we don't have like we don't have experience running a form company but you've been running summit for two years talking to users and customers so you have a better idea and if you can fundamentally rebuild the product and you know start to get solid feedback in three to four months that sounds that sounds good i think yeah especially when we have you know 12 plus months of runway it's like okay that gives you nine months in market now you don't want yeah. to uh <laughs> you don't want to use all those but like it gives us a good two quarters plus in market mm. to get really good traction you know yeah um or not and then figure out what we're doing next but like i i do recommend that in general it's like if you're going to take a big swing you know, doing it right after you raise money and have that extended runway, that's kind of the time to do it, right? It's like, it's sort of a now or never thing. It's like if we, ideally, you know, if you, yeah, I'd much rather do it this way than be like, let's grind it out for six more months. And then like, then we'll make a big change or try something bigger if we have to. It's like, I'd rather just, just uh, do it now. And um, yeah, I think team's excited. Investors are supportive. So, uh, here we go. And I think the opportunity is still there for sure. I think, Mm. I think this product actually has a much bigger market opportunity than the last version because it's potentially appealing to a lot more people. So we'll see. Sounds like it. And dude, that is some, some function in Excel or sheets. Mm -hmm. My brain can't type it without adding an H like my last name. Like my fingers (laughs) are so used to typing my last name. They can't just not type the H. So you want an alias? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could you add an alias for that? <laughs> That'd be awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Just, that's an Easter egg in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's great. That's great. Yeah. No, I, um, it's cool. I, there's one other thing that's like, well, it's Phil, it's more philosophical. I wonder if it'd be fun to talk about, but I, I, I have been thinking a lot about that whole idea of, oh, you know, we're Uber for X or we're Figma for Y or this. And like a lot of times, a lot of times, so I was thinking, hey, we'll be Excel for financial models, like just focus on that use case of a much bigger generic product. And in doing so, you can kind of build this like custom bespoke app, I think is what a lot of people say. 
that's what I was saying. I think what I realized is that you just have to be careful because sometimes like Uber for dogs could just be Uber, right? And like Airbnb for international travel could just be Airbnb, right? And like sometimes those things are the thing that you're even talking about. And so you're just talking about like, oh, we'll just take a little slice of their market and focus on that. It's like, you're going to be at a disadvantage because eventually that bigger thing is just going to do that too. Like that's just, that's just an expansion for them. Um, yeah. It's almost like there's almost like a fallacy that you are always able to do a better job if you're, if you're catering to the niche. But yeah. the thing is you all, you likely don't have as many resources as well. You don't. And sometimes and this is what I'm learning with Summit, like sometimes the niche, which is to say financial modeling, it may be the most sophisticated niche or the most um, complex niche, which means it's a hard place to start. It's a hard place to try to consolidate demand because it's it's fuzzy and it's complex. So it's a, just a hard place to get like a foothold of like, a simple thing that you can start with. And so like you might do like, oh, this is Uber for dogs. And then you're like, oh my gosh, Uber for dogs is so much harder than just Uber for people. <laughs> so like yeah. you succeeded at trying to find a niche, but you actually pick something that's really, really hard and a smaller market. And I don't know, there's just a lot in vogue. I, I think we're seeing a big shift from vertical SaaS to more horizontal for this reason is that vertical can work but a lot of times you're just actually picking a smaller, more difficult market as your beachhead, as your niche, right? Yeah. That's not necessarily a good thing. I think if you, in, I think in our community, like the thing that people are successful with right now is launching something to their audience or whatever you want to call it. And I'm not saying you should build an audience or not build an audience, but it's like, it, you can you can go after a very large player if if you have a podcast with like a couple thousand people or whatever that are in that like that need that product like they'll pick the smaller mm. you know the underdog because they like you or they're a fan or they listen to your podcast or whatever they do follow you on twitter Mm-hmm. Um, especially with the whole like building public thing i think people are some people at least are very successful with that and then it's like that's and that's kind of like i guess part of my update as well is like that that is hopefully enough kindling to start the fire and i think yeah. that's what eric is hoping with Savical as well that is like this his community is like enough to get it started and then there's a very big market afterwards i think i think that is so addressable markets and being able to get to a certain group easily that trusts you that's fantastic but i'm thinking more like derek's like hey i want to do calendly yeah that's what i'm what i'm saying i for just indie hackers and it's like yeah isn't that just calendly like yeah indie hackers just use calendly it's like oh yeah they can't so that's not enough you can't just say i'm going to focus on no so what i meant is just like instead of slicing the market of like this is a niche like they have a different need you just slice the market Uh, of like this is a place to get started because I know these I'm going to reach them like, first. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I'm going to reach like, dog owners first, but it doesn't mean I'm building the product yeah, for Yeah, like DoorDash, like we're, they're going to go after like suburban areas or something like yep. that. That's like, there's less competition here, but it's the same market in the end. Like it's the same yeah. product. It's the same. Yeah, it's just it's the same product. It's just a way in. So if you know, like if there's yeah, a thousand people like following that. you, you can just start with those thousand people. Yeah, I like that. I love the, f- yes, there is definitely a way in building a product. So it's like the, uh, you just need a little ha- fuel to like get that escape velocity. Yeah. At the same time, Derek didn't say, oh, I'm going to build this for the, the product is going to be geared towards indie hackers or people that find it's like, no, the product is generic. But like they're my first users and adopters because they're accessible, right? Yeah. That makes sense. That's um, the only way that they're different from the rest of the market is that Derek knows them or they know right. Derek. That's right. And the product doesn't cater to them per se. Other no. Than it has to be good enough for them. And it's sort of like saying, hey, let's launch a Microsoft Word competitor, but it's going to be just for novelists. And it's like, okay, maybe novelists just want to use Word though. I mean, they already have it. And, you know... 
that can, and I think what I learned in thinking this through is like, there's certain, how do you know, here's a question. How do you know when Microsoft word for novelists is going to work or not? Like, how do you know when the other thing, and one clue, something that I butted up against this last week in my own thinking is like, if this, if the definition of a novel is really tight and specific, you have a much better chance of succeeding than if the definition of a novel is very vague and general because then you need a general tool because there's no spec that you can really build against and say, oh, all novelists need to do this, but Word doesn't. And all novelists want this, but Word isn't. It's like if novelist is kind of like this vague thing that any, you know, it's really hard to define. Yeah. Then you so just, like a legal contract, for example, is probably a good candidate for like a SaaS product. But a novel is like very vague. Yeah, the more exactly the more vague the thing is, like that niche has to have a spec that's really tight. So I was thinking like TurboTax, um, like handling taxes, awesome niche for forms <laughs> because tax forms are like super official and specific, and like people don't just make it up as they go. They're like, well, my tax form is not going to have chapters. It's going to have you know whatever books volumes within it's like no you're gonna fill out the 1040 easy just like everybody else like so you can build a product to spec but if like everybody had a different sort of version or definition of a tax form you wouldn't be able to really build a product that caters to that because right even your own little segment you're like oh do you do tax form yeah i need to find my taxes great what do you use like everybody has a different way of doing it eventually you're like oh there is no there's no solid thing here um and mm. i don't know what it, what was it like with branch in terms of deployment in wordpress did you find that to be the case like you were focused on deployment for wordpress developers was deployment for wordpress developers like consistent and defined enough that you felt like it was yeah i mean more yeah. and more like i thought about it when you mentioned it like a few minutes ago like how i think we definitely ran into this it's like it's just as hard to build a cicd deployment platform for everyone or for wordpress developers because it's the same stuff it's just the market is much smaller that it like you don't get yeah. as many opportunities to like try different sec sections of the market like if we had positioned branch as more like general purpose i could have just like post it like it would have been easier to like try it for a different whatever shopify magento uh, ruby and rails whatever like just try it easily because it's not really set in stone that it's for wordpress as soon as you say it's for wordpress like it's hard to like people just know that mm -hmm. um but it's just as hard to build like the hard part is not making it wordpress specific the hard part is making a cicd tool right yeah and that's another thing right it's like so wait, when no. it's like yeah <laughs> when it's like that it's like it's almost the better opportunity is probably to either like build a general purpose cicd tool or build something on top of the other cicd tools that's a small product that solves that specific use case because you don't yeah. want to take on the difficult thing <laughs> Yeah, for well, no this, like, there's no need to bring the difficult thing to WordPress when it already yeah. exists. Ideally, you know, Microsoft Word for legal contracts means you don't have to build Microsoft Word, yeah. right? You can just build some much narrower thing that's very specific and very um, inflexible. But people don't care because, like, a legal contract is so specific. It's a hypothetical example. You're right. If if building CICD for WordPress means you have to build a generic CICD solution because people who do it need so much flexibility. Then really, you're better off just building a low-end CICD tool to start that doesn't have. Yeah, that. I mean the 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 Microsoft Word for legal contracts probably shouldn't have fonts, right? Like pe people shouldn't <laughs> be allowed to use Comic Sans, Comic or whatever, Sans, right? right? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you can you can limit the choices exactly. Um, or jokers and what's the one that's really oh geez awful. yeah well comic sans <laughs> is what everybody hates on all the time yeah yeah um papyrus uh <laughs> yeah so i don't know if that's helpful for listeners but it's something i've been thinking a lot about is like if the spec is unclear or vague and if those people need a lot of flexibility you may end up just building a very generic tool but now you've just targeted a much smaller market and you've positioned yeah. yourself as being for a much smaller market 
So it's not even the addressable part that we talked about a second ago with with like Savvy Cal, for example. It'd be like, no, I just positioned this thing as like only for these people. But I went through all the hard work of building a generic tool. So yeah, now what? Yeah, it's like the ice cream stand we talked about last last time, and but Ooh. we only serve people with red t shirts or something like that, like a silly waiters you know <laughs> slice the market yeah but then you find out like there is no one shade of red and you just had to build it for every <laughs> color anyway and now yeah. you're just like now people just think of you as the red t-shirt ice cream shop but you had to build yeah. an ice cream shop <laughs> anyway yeah. so uh all the ways we hang ourselves in in starting up um but we do that because we think we're like more focused and we're gonna so i think this is this is some this is something that's happening is I think notion uh Rome research what are some of the other tools that are horizontal these days I mean airtable like horizontal tools I feel like are kind of coming back reform with more of a vengeance because I think a lot of people are learning that you have to build a pretty general tool anyway and focusing on a vertical doesn't always make sense um that's not where and, and I think I think a lot of times investors and others like encourage us as founders to pick like pick a target market, pick a focus, pick a vertical. But I, I starting to think like that's that can be kind of dangerous, you know. Um I think you could do it like you can do it to like get started, but not necessarily like I mean you could do like targeted campaigns to like a different niche or something like that like you could run ads to yeah gardeners or something like that. yeah yeah outbound yeah. marketing is a different thing but like the product design itself yeah and positioning um being specific and I, I also think when you go vertical you probably get pulled into consulting more easily like people oh you're the wordpress expert can i talk yeah. to you about all these wordpress challenges and problems and you're like i really want to be a product company can you just use the yeah. product? Like, but you're an expert in this vertical. Right. Um, and a lot of times with as software developers and founders, like we actually don't want to be consultants, but vertical, I think, draws us in more because people look at us as like the expert in that field. Um, so anyway. Nice, nice tangent. You were right. Yeah. It would be fun to talk about. Yeah, it it was <laughs> it were fun to talk about. Um, how are you, Peter? I'm good. I um, I pushed an update to the branch website yesterday. Did you see it? Uh, I'm sorry, I did not. Like a, like a I, sash, I usually refresh and everything. <laughs> oh, I I saw that. Okay, I was gonna say I didn't go to the website. I didn't go to the website. I don't refresh branch uh, every morning. Every other it's on morning. your homepage. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, yeah, basically shot it down for for new signups. Um. I did. I did notice that someone signed up today, and I was like, "Hey, wait! How'd you do um, that? You can actually still sign up, um, but there's no link to sign up. But this this person was someone who signed up the other day uh, and invited someone to their team. So more of a legit <laughs> a legit way into the product. We're still letting people do that, right? Yeah. Um, and interestingly, we just in the past few days we had two new customers. But they both became paying customers because it was like more of like the business guy that signed up and then wanted to invite their developers to the account and then had hit the pay paywall because team is like a paid features. So like, and actually in the past week, we got three new customers, which feels like it felt like a, okay, maybe we don't want to like shut it down. Like maybe we should just let it, roll you know and see if we get more customers but i think it might be a false signal because first of all none of them are really using it yet like they just invite they invited their developers so that's why they paid for it it's not because they they hit the deployment threshold and then the other mm -hmm. thing is one of them already emailed me like four times and not because he had any problems just because he just almost like he just wanted to chat and i think it's the it's that thing we talked about where branch is like a $50 product, but it has like a thousand dollar a month onboarding or sales mm. process attached to it because people want to ch chat to me and like, make sure there's like a person and 
just feel good about like relying yeah. on this product for something important in their business, which does not match with the cost of the product. Like it's apparently it's like too important for how much they're willing to pay for such an important problem. Um, mm. Is me like being a little bitter. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but it also like it was a little sad to like update the website. So if people go now to branchci.com, like they'll see the little letter basically that I wrote. Um, but it also felt good. Like it, it just it it frees me up a little. It frees frees up a little RAM in my mind that I mm. can I can focus elsewhere, which is needed. So yeah. yeah. And uh, an era is starting to uh, end, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I I don't mind like supporting the existing customers. Like it has like a limited scope in a sense. Like I know, I know who they are. Like I know what they're using it for. Like it's, it's fine. Like it just mixes in with like, it goes into the, th the same inbox as WP Pusher. And mm -hmm. so it's not that bad. I just don't want to run any more sales processes for new people. No. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, we almost hit ten thousand ARR for branch, <laughs> which is a popular milestone for people to share on Twitter these days. Um, yeah, I saw I saw another reference to that recently in an interview or something. But yeah, uh, it. I, let's go for the MRR. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's, let's keep you up. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, there is a small chance that we are launching the first forms tomorrow or a fairly good chance actually i would say we so on friday we let the first few or thursday was it i'm not sure we let the first few people into the product mm -hmm. and but they the the publish button is disabled because we hadn't finished the form rendering part not really the rendering more the submission part of receiving or sending those submissions when people fill out a form, mm -hmm. but um, it's almost done. And I think, I, th I think there's a good chance that one or two people could publish a form tomorrow. Wow. Tuesday, if they wanted to um, fingers oh, crossed. Yeah. It's I, uh, I think today or yesterday, actually yesterday is a month since we tweeted out the announcement and then for the first few days we thought that we were going to like manually create forms for some people uh which in hindsight feels like a silly idea but um uh, that was kind of like our mvp <laughs> the way we thought about the mvp at the time but mm -hmm. we realized that we might as well just like build a simple product and probably learn more in roughly the same amount of time um yeah so that happens I mean, even if it's not tomorrow but the yeah. day after tomorrow i still feel pretty good about our turnaround time i think it's a good sign if you are being so realistic that you put a little interstitial milestone in there and then you're like yeah we could probably actually just go for the next step instead but at least you were thinking about it but it's like yeah no we're <laughs> yeah half an investment for you know a quarter of the feedback isn't really worth it you know Let's just yeah. go all the way. It's good. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited to see what happens uh, when this goes live. So it might it might have already happened. Um, we want to publish our own early access form as like an a, an actual reform form and not just like a hard coded form. But mm -hmm. we need we have a multiple choice question basically there, and. I think that's like a feature we'll have maybe on Thursday or Friday. So our own form might not be able to go live as the first one. Um, unless we change it up, <laughs> we might change it up just to, <laughs> just to be the first. Get that position one. Yeah. <laughs> the things yeah. we'll do. Yeah. Yeah. Or just, but it's, just, uh, just tell the customer like, look, you're, there was a little insertion. Yeah. 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 You got inserted. Why is my form ID two? Yeah. No. Yeah. It'll it'll just be a use it'll be some hash anyway, right? Apparently so. uh, Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> has ID number was it four or something like that? That was like a Facebook hack. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> Bjorn sent me the the link because he was like, 
we were not the only ones to not get ID one, two, three, and oh, four because nice. we got some prepayments. So we all, we sold <laughs> the customer IDs basically to those or use IDs to those people. Yeah. So every time I nuke the database, I actually <laughs> manually create those users because oh. I feel like I owe them the the use ID that they actually we that's, promised them. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what they bought after all. Yeah. But you sold them. Right. Yeah. What so, are you? Wait, is, isn't selling people like uh, their position, isn't that effectively? Anyway, there's definitely an <laughs> NFT Bitcoin joke in there somewhere. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could NFT our use IDs maybe. That's right. Well, aren't you going to do something like, similar to that with uh, the Rhymer approach? <laughs> well, we, I'm thinking about doing the, definitely doing the team handle or the, the yeah, the reserve your handle kind of play because so mm-hmm. behind the scenes, everyone has a team from the beginning because we don't have teams yet, but we know we will. So we just have like a teams model mm-hmm. and every, every form is like scoped under your team ID. So you can, mm-hmm. so your um, form slocks don't collide with other users slocks. That makes sense. Right. Like Sign you can have an early form. access form and they can have an early they, access yeah. form and that'll probably, they happen. don't have early access form eight. It's <laughs> um, hilarious. So um, yeah, I think it would be fun to do something around that. I'm going to ask Derek about it tomorrow on our mastermind call. Yeah. Um, Cause he's the expert. Yeah. So it's, it's going well. Like I'm still like, I'm still worried. Like it's really stressful right now because it just like we're doing this because we want to learn stuff, right? About mm-hmm. how this is gonna work, and but we and and we're still in the in the doing part. Like we we don't we haven't really gotten much feedback or mm-hmm. you know usage yet, and I mean to be honest, and I think I mentioned this on my solo episode like the thing that i were the thing that keeps me up at night right now is like what i felt sometimes with branch that on the surface people were excited like in theory they were excited but then Mm -hmm. when it when it came down to it like they didn't care enough Mm -hmm. so like whenever i like hoped that they would do something or asked them to do something a lot of the times they didn't do it so like i'm just worried that that there won't be like enough momentum or that we're losing momentum or that once we start like inviting people, they won't actually like accept the invite or I think you're in a, do I th- anything. Th- yeah. I mean, it's good that you're, it's good that you're concerned. I think that going back to the jobs to be done framework we've talked about before the habits in use and the anxieties in choice here are so much lower than a CI/CD tool, for example, in terms of easy come, easy go, give it a shot. I, I just don't think people are, it's not a heavy decision to give a forms app a try, I think. So I think you're in a better place for people yeah. to be able to live out I mean, there. They're going to manifest their I, dreams <laughs> much easier. Much easier. I, I hope you're right. And I think there's a good chance that that's true. And I, I still worry about it. <laughs> And yeah, but I think yeah, it's part cool. of what drives me as well. Like it, it keeps me motivated. Mm-hmm. Like I don't mm-hmm. want to just like sit on my hands for a week and not move forward. Like we want to move fact, as fast as we can. You're not considering that, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Take a break. I took a break on Saturday. That was really nice. Just like dug some holes for, or started. I actually didn't dug any holes, dig any holes on on Saturday. But I will next Saturday. Hey, that <laughs> because, can be good. I need to put some foundation form for the annex that we're putting up by the summer house. Oh, or nice. granny flat as they call it in the UK. Nice. Um, it's cool. Yeah. Cool. I joined a uh, Corey Haynes's swipe files community. It's a nice I community. S- some cool. Saw people your in there. reference to that. And I have to admit, and you know, this is, this is, I'll blame myself. I, still didn't get my head around the fact that it's a community because it's called swipe files so i thought it was something where you go to swipe files so you're telling me it's a community of people that swipe files <laughs> i think swipe files refer to like a marketing marketing jargon of like basically like if if the, if you see a nice ad you cut it out and put it in a, in a binder something like that 
so there's that aspect to it but most of what i'm seeing is like it's just like a forum almost like an old school message board and okay it's very similar to the tiny seat slack group actually it's like there's like a place to post updates for like working in public and there is like you can ask a question or post an ask or whatever just like a random thing or general thing yeah i thought i thought it looked interesting and then i i saw my friend nicholas um yeah had given a uh, a presentation on user interviews and i wanted to watch that and uh, yeah as i said on twitter that was easily worth the 100 bucks that it cost for a year and right. yeah i've been been in some good conversations already in there so cool yeah and i think um it's a good place for me to get feedback on reform related stuff as well because it's like everyone in that forum is probably using forms for something right yeah that's really cool how so what is the url for let's just make it a full-blown ad what is the url for swipe <laughs> I think files? it's just swipefiles.co swipefiles.co people i think Corey haynes is like a co person okay but then it actually redirected to com so he is a oh because okay. he has yeah. a co and high roller handle. table high roller table does he he's like Corey haynes co or something like that uh yeah, he is Corey Haynes Co. That's right. Um, he did put swipe files.com in his channel. He asked me inside of swipe files what my plans were for marketing uh, with Reform. And um, I don't know. I definitely don't have a good answer right now. But I think related to what we talked about uh, half an hour ago or something like that, uh, like naively maybe or not, like I'm basically planning on you know, my Twitter followers, podcast listeners, you know, people in the tiny seat network, like that these little groups of people that I'm part of are enough kindling to, to validate this idea and kind of like get it off the ground in a, in, in a, in a larger way than with branch. Mm -hmm. And like this time, like, I don't want to start something where I build it and then I have to find like some sort of marketing channel or like attraction. I like, I don't want to have to go through the traction book until like I already have like some customers and people are excited about it. And like, it's, it's already off the ground. If you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to have to start with the traction book. Like I want to add that later when I'm tapping out like the, the early access list, the, posting on twitter the podcast listeners whatever like before i like try like different marketing channels and that's what i'm seeing derek do with savical and that's that's what i want to do with this business like i don't want to have to like build it and launch it and then like start to find customers i want like yeah i want to make it easier on myself so if if reform can't do that it's not an easy enough business for me to run and it probably won't be worth it I like that test a lot. It's basically saying, you know, if I manually hand this URL URL out to people that I think should be interested, I should see something, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I shouldn't have to bust open the encyclopedia of awesome awesome growth hacks just to see that initial traction of something, right? No. Um, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, yes, you should be able to get a handful of people who just absolutely love it and tell you that they love it at the very least. <laughs> and, and more, more than and that, more. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot more because there's just so many people you should be able to turn to and just show it to immediately and have them go. Oh, heck yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I think like the first tier is like the early access link, just like people from Twitter, you know, that whole thing. And then there's other things like, I think kind of like what I saw Derek do is like that first, then like hopefully like some word of mouth starts and like little streams of stuff but then there's like some of the one-time things that you can do but execute pretty well like product hunt for example which worked really well for derek i was gonna say has the potential to work really well for reform as well yep sorry to interrupt and then like like, so you you get those first yeah 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 no i'm i'm getting really excited here because he had a lot of traction Eric, you just need to come on the show eventually, I guess. But um, yeah. <laughs> we're talking about you. We're talking about you, you like where you. Uh, but he had 
real traction before he did product hunt is the point like yeah. he didn't do product hunt to get traction he saw that there was and was like okay it's worth it to invest in this product hunt bigger thing because i'm already seeing the kind of response i was hoping for yeah let's take this you know let's let's take this gasoline I know it's a one-time like thing, like it's going to burn out, but let's pour it on the fire. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like that. I, uh, that's how I'm thinking about it. So, I mean, there, in terms of marketing strategy, like there are some o- obvious things, like I know for Typeform referrals worked really well because it's like powered by Typeform, thank you pages, stuff like that, which are obvious growth uh, levers or growth tactics for 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 a product like this so like we're gonna hopefully have those as well um so things like that are like obvious of course um but it's not like it needs to work before that like it's mm-hmm. you know let's say one percent like one out of a hundred people filling out a form becomes a customer like when we have one when we have a hundred customers we'll get one or a hundred customers with one whatever like a hundred respondents we get one actually that would be really nice let's say it's it's one out of a thousand that's probably more realistic yeah you know like when you have 10 customers it's not going to matter a lot like that's not the channel that's going to move the needle it's the channel that's going to move the needle when you have a thousand customers ten thousand customers like it's going to be nice to have that referral yeah. extra 10% a month or something like that from that channel okay. or whatever. Yeah. With how broadly applicable forms is, you should be able to get to, I'm not going to say a certain amount of revenue because it's hard to predict, but harder to predict, but you know, your first hundred customers shouldn't take that long if this is the product that yeah. the market wants, right? Like it um, should take over branch revenue before we have to like you know, truly double down. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and you've got some email addresses to email that have tried or signed up for branch as well. And you have your early access. So you've got shots to fire already in terms of not just Twitter tweets, but you can email people and get reactions more broadly than just one-on-one conversations. Yeah. We, we have like 500, 50 emails or something like that signed up on our early access list. Mm-hmm. And like, I can just tell that like, like one of my best friends, he was, he was so excited. He's like, you know what I really like about this business? It's the first one that I get of the businesses you've started. Like it's the first one I understand what you're actually doing. Nice. <laughs> and we were having dinner and he was like explaining Powerful, it to man. his girlfriend. It's like, I can actually explain to you what it is. And he explained it and it's like, yeah, it's true. It's right. That's <laughs> And like on Twitter, like people are tagging me and stuff because it's, I don't know, it's just an easy one to recommend or rep. Like um, what's his name? Former um, product hunt CTO, Andreas Klinger, something like that. Um, yeah. And he's now the CTO of, of On Deck, the online education hot hotness startup what beyond deck yeah yeah that's it yep and he was posting something on twitter about like how they have more than 100 way more than 100 type forms and one of my investors wow actually tagged him as like i think peter soom could help you out with this uh, if it needs helping out (laughs) um uh, something like that and then i i actually i realized that on our early access list like we had someone some someone who worked or who works at beyond deck or on deck whatever it's called um with no code stuff for them (laughs) that was already on our list and it's like yeah it's just it's gonna be i think it's gonna be much easier to like find people for this that's great yeah that's fun and you're gonna have the pro yeah i saw a little animated preview that maybe you posted into channel with me and derek or something that showed the product as Bjorn was working on or something. And I have to say like it, I know you put some screenshots on Twitter as well of more just sort of tongue in cheek sometimes, but like this could be a blog or whatever. Right. Yeah. But I think that what, what I saw in the channel was a lot more robust in terms of the functionality than I expected. 
And I mean that in a good way. Like it seemed pretty, I know you said you don't have certain kinds of things, multi-select or whatever, different things like that. But I mean, it looked like a legit form builder. What we have is form pretty builder. solid, honestly. Yeah, it looked like a pretty legit form builder, I'd say. Like it looked like if it works, it's something somebody could easily use to build a form <laughs> and publish it online. Um, I'll quote Derek Reimer. <laughs> yeah. Said, for, he said, That's the whole episode form- anyway. <laughs> form builder looks slick <laughs> or form builder is slick and yeah. uh, that's high praise man from derek that is that is he doesn't say <laughs> that about my stuff he hated our onboarding so i spend the entire day changing that <laughs> <laughs> awesome yeah let's call it a show I don't, do I don't have any more okay uh done. Awesome. I'm trying to think of a clever way to end this, but there isn't. So I'm just going to say thanks, man. (laughs) Bye. Take care, man. See ya.